Truth News Network. A political party is willing to crash an entire country just to get rid of one man. What are they so afraid of? And how come nobody's asking that question? Well, one man is. In the relentless pursuit of the truth, you've reached TNN. The Truth News Network. And here's the man asking the tough questions, Dan Newman. I got to be honest with you. I have the answer to Pete Moss's question there. What? Are they so afraid of that one man? That one man happens to be former President Donald Trump. And yes, the left are scared to death that Donald Trump will find a way to get back in the White House and he'll put all of those old policies in place. You know, those that made us wealthy, cut our taxes, raised our income, made our southern border secure. And we were looked at around the world as being a real powerhouse in government for the people, by the people. Wouldn't it be nice to get back to some of that? Let me ask you this. Do you think Joe Biden's ever going to get us back there? Nope. Do you think Kamala Harris is ever going to get us back there? Nope. You think Nancy Pelosi is ever going to get us back there? No, they refuse to go back to any of that. They want the scenario in which we find ourselves now only ramped up a notch or two or three or four. They want top-down government control, government control of everything in government, but making government in control of all of us. That means government would be totalitarian. Is that what you want? Is that what you were born into? No, wait a minute. I'm not saying Donald Trump is the only person alive today that can get us there, but I will say this. He's the only person in this century that has taken us there before. There have been some looking in our rearview mirror that have done it in the past, but it hasn't happened in this century. Wait a minute, Dan. Bush 45. Bush 43, excuse me. He was a Republican. He was president in this century. Well, he was. But we weren't in the environment overall in the nation in which we found ourselves in in the four years of the Trump presidency. So I'm not talking about personalities. Look, There are a lot of people, and I am one of them. I have a lot of respect for Bush 43, George W. I do. I think, as he has disappeared into the landscape of the country, more and more comes out that says things that he did in his eight years as president weren't quite as um, clear and smooth and good as we thought they were. Now, we can say that about any president. Bush 43 had a great personality, still does. I liked him. I liked his personality. I saw him in person when he was traveling around the country trying to sell the partial privatization of Medicare and Social Security to the nation. He came to our city, and I went to hear him and see him, 
and he made great sense to me. That's one thing. And then he did a lot of other things that were good for the nation, but none of what Bush 43 did in his eight years as president compared to those things that were done in four years by Donald Trump. I'm just saying, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do it. But I will tell you this, our president today is doing those things exactly what he told us while he was campaigning that he was going to do. He was going to kill the fossil fuel industry. We were going all green energy. We were going to spend billions of dollars on climate change policies. We were going to get rid of all this evil fossil fuel. And oh, by the way, we were going to open up the southern border and let everybody come in that wanted to come in. Well, he didn't tell us he was going to do that. But his policies from previous interviews, legislation that he was involved in, it all indicated Uncle Joe was going to do those things and more. And he's done them. And here we are. We've got a new jobs report out first thing this morning. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Also, and I think maybe they did this Thursday so it wouldn't get just tons of coverage before the weekend came. Of course, what happens Friday afternoon? Friday afternoon everywhere at 5 o'clock. Well, everybody goes to sleep. Government goes to sleep. Nothing happens that is important to our lives after 5 o'clock on Saturday. So, news stops. Well, maybe news doesn't stop, but all they talk about is rehashing the things that happened during the week. And most Americans, we don't want that. We want to give our minds a rest on the weekend. We want to give our bodies a rest. We want to go do fun things. We want to work around our house. One thing we don't want to do is be glued to a television watching news all weekend. So that's why they wait till late in the week to throw this information out. Specifically, I'm talking about Joe Biden's budget proposal. We're going to weigh into a little bit of that. But to get you started, while you're drinking your first cup of coffee and to clear your mind, wanted you to listen to a little ditty. Name of the song is Love You Long Time. You listen to it and you tell me who's doing this song. Love You Long Time. Nobody ever loved me. Quite like you love us like. Girl, and she loves me a lot And ain't no other man is gonna take my spot And I, I'm so happy you're mine Cause I'ma love you a long time Let me love you a long time Let me love, let me love you a long time Let me love, let me love you a long time Let me love, let me love you a long time Oh, no. 
making my spot in the night. So happy you're mine. Cause I'ma love you a long time. Let me love you a long time. Let me love, let me love you a long time. Let me love you a long time. Let me love, let me love you a long time. This is the sweetest thing I've got. For sure, for sure. She loves me a lot and ain't no other man is gonna take my spot and die. I'm so happy you're mine and I'ma love you a long time. 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 Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'ma love you a long time. I'ma love like harmony you had to like that if you like harmony that's pentatonics and that group has been around for a while now they were on the voice i think they were finalist and uh they're out on the road now if you ever get a chance to go to one of their concerts i'll tell you this much they sound just like you just heard live and singing a cappella isn't the easiest way to present music to an audience. It's really tough. You got to be good. You got to be able to think and you got to be able to find your slot when you open your mouth to sing. I say that like I know what I'm talking about. And I want you to think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I, uh, I was in a Christian band uh, my final year in high school and then five years in college and we traveled all over the nation. And I was keyboard and vocalist sang the low part. And when you're doing both, it's a little difficult sometimes to do. So I've got, a, I've got a lot of respect for people that are able to sing and even play harmony. So let's just get right to business, okay? Friday morning, jobs market report comes out early this morning. So hold your breath. I'm going to tell you what it says. It says that the Biden administration added 311,000 jobs in February. Wow. That's the, it was higher than most economies expected it to be. But guess what? Unemployment rate rose to 3.6%. Economists had been prepared for the country to add slightly more than 200,000 jobs compared to half a million in January and that unemployment would remain at approximately 3.4%. That, by the way, 3.4% is the lowest it has been since May of 1969. So anticipating continued economic strength, 
Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said, or he indicated in his testimony in the Senate Banking Committee hearing on Tuesday, that the Federal Reserve may speed up interest rate hikes more than expected, and they would do that only to combat inflation. Powell also testified the Fed would like to see the labor market significantly weaken. Hmm. They want the labor market to not just weaken, but significantly weaken. Why? Well, the cool wage growth, which is contributing to inflation. Let me just say this, folks. I'm not an economist. I'm one of you. I'm an everyday guy, middle-class American, trying to pay the bills and make ends meet without going under. I disagree with Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's assumption that wage growth is contributing to inflation. Now, it may, but if it does, it's only a tiny bit. Why? Because wages haven't gone up proportionately even to the level of inflation. So where's inflation coming from? You want to know? It's coming from the White House. It's coming from the U.S. Capitol. Our representatives up there are spending trillions of dollars that we don't have. So what do you do when you do that? Well, let me give you an example. You're looking to buy a new car or you're going car shopping or whatever. Cars are pretty darn expensive now, new cars especially. And even used cars, good used cars are out of the roof. Why? Because of supply and demand. Americans right now, Our dollar doesn't stretch as far as it did five years ago, 10 years ago. It just doesn't. And so what does that mean? It means supply and demand. How many cars are there out there? Well, remember our massive supply chain issues? Those aren't resolved. The White House won't talk about them, but it's still out there, and that impacts the auto market. Hmm. Never thought about that, did you? So when you don't have as many new cars, that means the price of the new cars are going to go up because they can get it supply and demand. What about used cars? Same thing. New car prices have gone bananas, and so a lot of people that are looking for new cars find out, I can't afford that, so they're looking at good used cars, which what happens? Supply and demand. There aren't as many good used cars, and there's greater demand, so the prices go up. Inflation. Why is all of this happening? At the root of it all, folks, at the root of every bit of it, is what our government is spending that we don't have. They have to go borrow it. Now, what does that mean? Interest rates are going up. Home mortgage rates are looking at a potential 8%. Do you know how many years it's been since Americans were paying 8% to finance a house? Many, many years. And what does that mean? Inflation goes up because our government is borrowing far more money than it ever has. And by the way, many people think, and I happen to be one of them, borrowing more money that they'll ever be able to pay back. That's a story for another day. 
interesting now. I'm not trying to rain on your parade. There are a lot of people that went to work last month. 311,000 people went to work in February. Now you're going to hear the Biden administration, Joe himself, I'm sure if he hasn't already, he's going to put out a press release that's going to say, hey, 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 look what I did. I created more jobs in February than any other president ever has. That's not true. He did not create 311,000 new jobs. Most of those are people that went back to work that haven't been working. But you got to remember the unemployment rate. It went up. It went up. 0.2%. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when you look at the population and the employment pool, 0.2% is a bunch of people. Where'd they go? They lost their jobs. Why did they lose their jobs? If you can't stretch your dollar as far as you could previously, that also means corporations can't. And so they can't keep their doors open in spite of what you hear coming out of Karine Jean-Pierre in the White House press briefings and Joe Biden when he's doing an interview, in spite of that, corporations exist to make money. And when their costs go up, top to bottom, materials cost more. Everything costs more. Having employees costs more. Corporations don't lose money. What do they do? They raise the prices of what they sell, goods or services. So the American people are paying for that. Supply and demand, folks. The capitalist system runs that way. It's the only equitable, fair, I use the equity word, I know, but it's the only equitable way to operate a country that makes sense economically. You want to produce some services to get other people to pay you for? Great. Go out there and do a great job. Oh, by the way, do a better job than your competition. I'll give you a on-the-ground, actual representation example of what I'm talking about. Way back in 1992, I started a company that was a healthcare billing company. And we specified and targeted one segment of healthcare, emergency transportation, specifically air, which is helicopter emergency transportation. Now, what does that mean, Dan? Well, you remember back in the days, a lot of television stations thought it was cool back in the early 90s to have a helicopter flying around. But those helicopters are really expensive to operate, even though they were able to get close to things when there were bad accidents and stuff like that. They could be first on the on the spot, get close right in there. But in addition to that, what were those helicopters? Every one of them you saw had the station's logo and call sign all over it. It was a flying billboard. So that was one way to justify it. But then they looked at the bottom line. You know, we're not making any money because these helicopters are really expensive. So a bunch of them around the nation started partnering with hospitals. Now, why would a hospital want to get in that business? Well, let me tell you. 
One thing was to put their label, their call sign on the side of a helicopter. But the big thing was, remember, flying a helicopter is really expensive. And so for hospitals to have helicopters that fly out, who, who flies in a helicopter? A very urgently hurt person. They need to get to the hospital to get to healthcare quickly. No better way to do it than in the back of a helicopter. That's not inexpensive to do. Transporting those patients, because it's expensive to fly a helicopter. Then you put a nurse, a paramedic, that even gets more expensive. But they did it for what? Follow the money. Those patients that end up flying in those helicopters that are leased or jointly owned and operated by television stations... They go to that hospital, and what happens when they get there? They're very sick. That means their hospital bills are going to be high. Intensive care is very expensive. That means hospitals were using those things, hoping to make money. Here's what my company did and does. It's still doing it today. We went in and found out that we could, in addition to the hospitals billing for the inpatient services, intensive care, surgeries, and all that kind of stuff for these very sick patients, we could bill the patient's insurance company and they would get paid a lot of that money, more than what it cost to transport those patients. So it was another point of revenue. And it was an honest point of revenue because it is expensive to do it. My company was the first one in the United States to do that. And we were very successful. We're still successful at doing emergency transport billing reimbursement management across the nation. But guess what happened? Supply and demand. And so there there are always medical billing companies, but none of them were doing specializing in what we were doing. And as they watched our company and what we were able to do, especially to these hospital-owned emergency helicopter transport operations, they started going in and competing against us. So what did that mean? Supply and demand. Demand didn't change. But demand didn't change for what we do. But competition got out there. And they started cutting our rates and cutting our rates and cutting our rates. There's nothing wrong with that. Supply and demand. That's exactly what explains what's happening in the Biden administration. Joe Biden doesn't have a clue. He doesn't understand economics. He shouldn't. He's a politician. And I mean, all you ever have to do is look at his history, look at everything he's done that has dollar signs in it. It's failed. He kills it. Nobody wants to talk about his decisions about what happens at the southern border economically. I've got a story that I want to bring you to While we're talking, I'm going to see if I can find it. Oh, yeah. We have 15 and a half million illegal aliens in the country now, and that's an estimate. It may be an underestimate. How much does that cost the country? Give me a guess. What do you think? 
$5 billion a year, $10 billion a year? Let me ask you this. How much should we be paying for illegal aliens to live in our country? The answer is real easy. Not a dime. No illegal alien, no anybody illegally should be living in the nation. And if they are, the United States certainly shouldn't be paying for them to be here. They're here criminally. And there's laws that take care of making that go away, right? FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, these are people that study it, it's all they do. They did an analysis, and their analysis estimates that taxpayers pay $182 billion in annual cost, and that includes cost for illegals at the federal, state, and local levels, $182 billion. Now, that number is only minimally made by illegal aliens contributing $32 billion to the economy, making the annual net cost still more than $150 billion. Put it another way, illegal aliens and their U.S.-born children are costing each taxpayer, you and me, write a check for $1,200 more than you should. And by the way, you are writing that check. It's all about supply and demand and keeping the process running smoothly without purposely throwing kinks into it. What are the kinks? Throwing in a bunch of illegal activity, putting a bunch of pontificating in there and paying, oh, I don't know, campaign contributors by giving them a cush job or maybe a big federal grant that they really didn't need, but they get it because they supported a campaign. Yeah, we're going to get down and dirty today. I promise you. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, I've got a story for you that will frost you. But it, it is an exact example of what is happening right now in America. Where it seems like, call me stupid, call me um, a partisan, but it seems like way more money is being spent than should be on pretty much everything. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine, leave behind a better world. Hi, I'm Jet Williams. Even though I never knew my father, Hank Williams, his legacy taught me the meaning of lending a helping hand. That's why I support the Orphan Foundation of America. OFA is committed to providing education, mentoring, and a workplace readiness for thousands of teens aging out of the foster care system. With the help of OFA's support programs, these young people can go to college and trade school, graduate, and make the leap from foster care to success. To learn how you can help, visit Orphan.org. 
DesMoinesHelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month, the one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Too much spin on your plate? How about a diet of truth? The Truth News Network sets your table. And here again to serve it up is Dan Newman. I'm thinking about uh, what's on my plate. I I am in a, a mode now after the first of the year. Uh, and during COVID, I, I gained some weight and I'm very slowly taking it off. And I've got a special event coming up. I've got a nephew that's getting married in April down in Miami. And it's a formal wedding and I have a really good tuxedo so I don't have to go buy one but that tuxedo doesn't quite fit like it used to fit a couple of years ago hmm (laughs) I'm sure some of you can relate to that so what is that all about sometimes you just got to make changes sometimes when you have economic issues going on there are a lot of different things that you can do sometimes There are hard things to do. So what do you do? I turn to experts. One of the financial experts that I like to go to, and he may be sometimes sound a little bit like former President Trump, but he's an economist, and he's been around for a lot of years. He's got a lot of uh, good things that have happened looking behind him, and that means he's not an empty suit. He's talking from a place of knowledge. Larry Kudlow happens to be at Fox News Business right now. He weighed in late yesterday on Biden's new budget proposal. First up, I briefly want to tackle President Biden's budget, which is a totally unserious, massive tax and spend big government approach. That's all it is. It looks like it was written by Senators Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth Warren. And the best we can determine, and I don't know the whole lot of it, there's an incredible $5 trillion tax hike which itself is going to decimate the economy, place enormous tax penalties on producers and investors and the whole workforce, really. Even by Bidenomic standards, this is an unbelievable wish list. Now, I know it's dead on arrival, but nonetheless, a lot of people are going to read this and ponder its potential impact, maybe on the debt negotiations or maybe the 2024 presidential race. Who knows? As I've said many times, The radical left Democrats want to punish success. They are the anti-free market capitalists of our time. I worked for two presidents, Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. They believed in rewarding success by reducing marginal tax rates across the boards. The Bidens have no interest in economic growth. They're driven by their radical ideologies towards a redistributionist vision of a declining American economy. By the way, There are massive spending increases throughout this budget, 
on social welfare benefits without work requirements that make a mockery out of the idea of deficit reduction. In fact, spending under the Biden budget will remain around 25% of GDP. The 50-year historical baseline, 20 to 21%. So this is big government socialism. That spending is going to make it even harder for the Federal Reserve to bring down inflation. Now, a brief list of the tax hikes. Oh, my gosh. 25% tax on people with 100 million or more in assets, going from 21 to 28% on the corporate tax, raising the top individual tax, doubling the capital gains tax, a wealth tax on unrealized capital gains, Medicare tax hikes, small business tax hikes, a huge increase in the taxes of overseas U.S. corporations if they would repatriate, taxes on all companies, real estate, private equity, cryptocurrencies, and all this comes on top of 150 billion some odd in business tax hikes already legislated. The combination of this Biden tax and spend approach paints a picture of a stagnant economy, low growth, high inflation. That's as far as the eye can see. I just call it economic decline. Economic decline. Listen to the Biden administration, you get a different story, of course. You would expect it to be opposite of a conservative. And Larry Kudlow has been around a year or two. He kind of knows what he's talking about economically. Joe Biden, he's way out of his lane. I don't even know what his lane specialty is, but he goes all over the road. One of those crazy drivers that you just don't have a clue what they're thinking. Are they drunk? <laughs> Are they uh, disabled, may, maybe cognitively declined? That would fit Joe Biden, I think, a little bit, wouldn't it? And who pays the price when they have those wrecks that are inevitable? You and I do. And folks, Joe Biden has been the recipient of some things that he had nothing to do with. It was inevitable. We were going to come out of our pandemic and we were going to go back to work and corporations were going to retool and get going again. He took credit for all of that. And all it was, was us coming back from the egregious lockdowns that government shoved down our throats during the pandemic. Much of it, most of it was unnecessary. We find all that out after the fact. And of course, Joe Biden kept it going. And then when people start going back to work, when corporations start turning the lights back on, oh, look what I did. I'm Joe Biden. I'm the president. And all of this happened because I was elected. People didn't like the orange man. Forget about all of the benefits that you experienced in his four years, even before the pandemic began. Forget about all of that. I'm going to make everything okay. And by the way, the way I'm going to do it, is spend more of your tax money. And oh, you blue-collar folks, lower-income folks, you're really going to get big benefits out of this. And you just forget about, you don't have to go to work. You don't have to go back to work. We're going to take care of you. We're the government, and we're taking over the lives of every American. That's what they should be saying. Of course, none of them are saying it. They don't want people to think about it. So let me illustrate a little bit of this chaos that's going on. There's a hotel in Renton, Washington. I know where Renton is. I've been there. 
don't know the hotel, the Red Lion Hotel. It once housed low-income people in need of housing. But guess what it's doing now? Sitting empty, and it's abandoned. Now, there's a lot of that going on. What does this have significance for, Dan? Well, unfortunately, taxpayers are footing the bill to keep the lights on in this hotel, even though it's deserted. And it's costing about $330,000 a month. Now, the Red Line Hotel was once a really thriving place of business. Decent accommodations, and it has a restaurant. But when the pandemic hit and hotel business dried up, nobody was leaving home, the owner sold it to King County. King County. Ring a bell? Seattle. And the county intended to use it as homeless shelter. However, in November of 2020, the Red Lion burned to the ground. And it was purposely burned to the ground, and the cops charged a suspect with arson. So the people living there obviously had to be relocated, and the county moved them to another hotel in the area at a cost of a paltry $28.6 million. The Red Lion Hotel remained gutted, unusable. No plans were made to rebuild it. But the county is continuing to pay $330,000 a month for the Red Lion including for heat and electricity, despite shattered windows, boarded-up sections, and it's an unusual, unusable property. The county is reportedly negotiating to get out of the lease for it, but until an agreement is reached, taxpayers in King County are going to continue to pay rent. $330,000 a month. Now, any reasonable person might expect that even if there are contractual obligations, which are there, you got to continue leasing the property for a set period of time, the utilities would at least be turned off, right? And taxpayers wouldn't have to pay for heat in a structure that has shattered windows. County governments are culprits of waste as much as any federal or state entity. And county officials need to remain vigilant to ensure their taxpayers are getting a good deal on their investments. Now, what does this have to do to the big scheme of life that we talk about every day here at TNN Live? That's an illustration of how torn apart our government is at every level, federal, state, local. You know, that's not your problem if you live in the South or live in the Northeast or live in the Southwest or even any place in the Northwest other than King County. $28.6 million. What could your county or your parish do with an extra $28.6 million? How much similar stupidity as this whole thing is, how much of that is scattered around the United States to other cities? You and I both know. Don't have a number, don't even want to know. But it's probably, if it's not in the trillions of dollars, 
it's in the hundreds of billions of dollars, and taxpayers nationwide are footing the bill. You know where this kind of stuff doesn't happen, and here we go. I'm going to be talking, and you're going to be, some of you, throwing darts, wishing you were hitting me in the head when I say this. States and localities where people understand business and understand supply and demand and make their decisions, financial decisions, based on that, not based upon ESG and equity and fairness, but based upon what's best for the money that our taxpayers are spending. What's the best we can do to maximize the results they're going to get on that? Let me give you an example. I I bet you voters in King County would really like to have Donald Trump up, up there running their financial operations. You know why? Trump would look at this, would have looked at it when they were considering and said it won't work. The money doesn't work. In government, those things don't matter. Those considerations are insignificant. They don't give a rip. It's not about that. It's about what's politically correct, what you need to do regarding taxpayer money to ensure that when the next election rolls around, your constituents are going to look at the job that you did and going to return you to your position or open the door for you to go to run for Congress or maybe governor in your state, maybe a U.S. senator. And it's all based upon not necessarily what's good for the voter, but the perspective that can be painted so you can use that as a political chit in your favor when you move forward. That's the environment that you and I are living in today, whether you want to agree with it or not. And Joe Biden... He wants to keep it going at the federal level. So he introduced his budget yesterday, and his introduction of it was nothing more than a starter's gun in a race. And what's the race? The negotiations with Republicans over raising the debt limit. I don't understand why we have to run into this every, every year. Oh my gosh, it's a war. Everybody's trying to negotiate to get something out of it. I can't even remember when a debt limit was raised, which happens every year, and it was raised and it only included the debt limit, the legislation. There's always all kinds of things that are added in. You know, negotiations. If you want this, I want this. And it's full of all kinds of stuff that have nothing to do with our debt limit, but it's quid pro quo. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, estimates Congress needs to raise the debt limit by September to avoid default. Now, what kind of default? They scare us by talking about all of the social benefits that are part of our government budget, like Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid. We've got to pay all those federal employees' salaries. We've got to pay for our military, and it's really expensive, so we need to have you let us borrow some more money. Wouldn't it be interesting if that's all they spent it on? 
the stuff that they have to, the stuff that is already in place that they have to. But they go out and they find all kind of new ways to spend your money. Money that they don't have, but don't worry about it. Give us what you got. We'll tax you out the wazoo. And anything else that we need to go do these things that we want to do to feed our campaign budgets, we'll borrow that. And it'll be on your account. Don't worry about it. The U.S. government's never going to default on its debt. Biden's budget, it exposes some tensions between liberal and moderate Democrats, believe it or not. It includes $2 trillion in tax hikes. That's going to be tough to sell in Senate battleground states like West Virginia and Montana, especially right now with the way Americans are being forced to live financially. Biden's going to call for a 20% tax on the income and even unrealized capital gains of households worth more than $100 million. Now, that sounds like, oh, if they make more than $100 million, it's no big deal. Do you know what a tax, a 20% tax on unrealized capital gains, do you know what that means? you know what unrealized capital gains are? Here's what happens. Somebody in the IRS, they come take a look at something you own. But it doesn't stop there. They're going to come up with a dollar value on what they think it's worth. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, I'll give you an example. You bought a piece of property, commercial real estate, and you paid a million dollars for it. If they come in and say, boy, you got a great deal on that. I think it's worth $2 million. They're going to have to pay tax. It's They don't even have it. They haven't sold it. But they're going to have to pay tax on that $100 million that you haven't made yet, but they're pretty sure you're going to make it. And it's worth that, so they're going to tax it. Unrealized capital gains, remember that term. A 5% Medicare surtax on earned and unearned income over 400 grand again. Oh, you're making only 400. It looks like everything's going your way and you're going to make 500. We're going to tax you on that extra 100,000 we're pretty sure you're going to make at 5%. A quadrupling of the 1% excise tax on stock buybacks and an increase in the top marginal income and corporate tax rates. Do you? What do you think this president is doing with this budget? It's dead on arrival. You heard Larry Kudlow say that. You know what he's doing? He's campaigning. Just like he used when he was campaigning for president and again in the midterms in 2022. Hey, here's what I want to do. I want to give everybody that borrowed money to go to college. I just... I'm going to take care of it, Uncle Joe. I'm just going to write it off, and nobody gets stuck with it. We're all going to be happy. You don't have to worry about paying back any of it. So what does that mean? You can just keep not working and living in your mom and dad's basement. You don't have to do anything. This is the same thing. He's about to announce he's going to run for president, re-election in 2024. He needs something that he can use to wave in voters' faces to say, 
Look what Uncle Joe's done. Look what I did for you. So what do you need to do for me? You need to vote for me in 2024. One of the guys in right in the bullseye of all this up in Montana is Senator John Tester. And he was asked if Joe's proposal to hike taxes by $2 trillion is cause for any concern up there in Montana. Nobody cares about taxes in Montana. Everybody lives out in the country. They have big ranches. I've been by that airport in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, a little hole in the ground. Last time I went by it on a Harley, I looked out there and I counted the Gulfstream jets. There were seven of them parked on the tarmac, seven of them. The cheapest one of them was $50 million. Those people don't care about taxes. But John Tester, Senator John Tester replied, for sure, I got to make sure that will work. I've just got to see what Joe Biden is doing. I don't know what they are, who they're on, he said, of Biden's proposed taxes. Well, a bunch of those taxes are on taxpayers, private taxpayers. And oh, by the way, Senator, every dollar of additional tax that is put on corporations, those corporations don't pay the taxes. They pass that down to everyday Americans. How do they do that? Well, If you go to the grocery store and buy something and the corporation that owns the grocery store got hit by Joe Biden to pay more in taxes for that loaf of bread, well, when you go buy the next loaf of bread, it's not going to be $2. It's going to be $4 or $5. Tester represents a state that Trump won in 2016 and again in 2020. And by the way, the senator announced last month he's going to run for fourth term. Senator Sherrod Brown up in Ohio, he is a progressive running for re-election. He also voted twice for Trump, emphasized that Biden's tax increases are only going to hit the rich. That's what they tell us every time they put a bill like this together. Oh, don't worry about it, middle-class Americans, low-class Americans. You're not going to pay for any of this. We're going after those evil rich people. And the rich people don't pay taxes. (laughs) They push it downstream to those middle class people that these politicians are talking to. Senator John Barrasso, he's another one in one of those states up there in the northwest, Wyoming. He, by the way, is a Republican. Here's what he said. This is classic liberal tax and spend Democrat politics. What we know happens is people at every stage of society get hit when Democrats raise taxes. Joe Manchin, he's under fire from all sides. He is supposedly a moderate Democrat over in West Virginia. Last year, he opposed Biden's proposal to raise the corporate tax rate to 28%. And he has expected Manchin to vote Thursday against Biden's nominee to serve as the IRS commissioner, and he wouldn't make or give an opinion on Biden's tax plans. When I see it, I'll give you a thing, he said, waving off a question about the topic. Manchin and senior White House officials clashed heatedly over the expanded child tax credit back in December of 2021. That came after the White House leaked 
that the West Virginia senator opposed a one- or two-year extension of the child tax credit. Manchin is now pressing fellow Democrats in the Senate to pass their own budget resolution, but there's not much appetite among Democrat lawmakers to do it. So here's how it works under Senate rules. Passing a budget requires the majority party to slog through hours and hours of tough votes on issues ranging from border security, immigration, to crime, oil and gas drilling on federal land. And that gives Republicans a lot of opportunities to take shots at Democrat incumbents that are up for re-election. Here we go. Everything. Everything they do. Every decision that they make in D.C., it boils down to one thing. Getting elected and getting re-elected. Sheldon Whitehouse, he's the Senate Budget Committee Chairman. He's a Democrat from Rhode Island. Yesterday, he said it's too early to know whether Senate Democrats are going to put their own budget resolution on the floor or instead just rally around Biden's budget proposal. Now, they say, the mainstream media, listen to this, they say Republicans are going to try to embarrass the president by forcing a Senate floor vote on the White House proposal, and they're doing that to drive a wedge between centrist and liberal Democrats. They're saying that. Let me just tell you this. If they don't do it, if Republicans don't do it, they're stupid, every one of them. Mitt Romney, get your head screwed on right. Joe Manchin, you need to quit worrying about re-election You need to worry about the people of the state that send you down there, West Virginia, and you need to worry about the impact it's going to take on every other American. GOP lawmakers tried to do that in 2011, 2012, and 15 when the Senate rejected former President Obama's budget proposals by votes of 97 to 0, 99 to 0, and 98 to 1. What does that mean? He got his butt kicked in the Senate. Obama did. Liberal Dems, though, are thrilled that Biden is taking the fight to wealthy individuals and corporations. They say Biden's budget, it's going to put pressure on McCarthy over in the House. Republicans over there to explain why popular domestic programs should get cut instead of requiring millionaires and billionaires and big companies to pay more taxes. You see, they don't mind saying that. It sounds great when they campaign. Hey, middle-class America, we're not going to do anything to you. What they won't do is be honest and say, well, Walmart, all those Walmart family owners, they're filthy rich. We're going to go after them. What they don't tell you is whatever the tax increases are for all of those wealthy families that own Walmart, they don't tell you that for every dime in taxes that are taken from those Walmart family members, they're going to raise the price of all of the goods in their stores by that dime. That's the way it works. This budget will lay out the Democrat approach to the economy, but it is also a statement of our values Senator Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, said this. The budget explains what we prioritize. 
There's already flared up in the back and forth of Social Security and Medicare, she said. We're going to see more of that. The Republicans, the Republicans for years have talked about so-called smaller government, but they don't have any realistic plans to put that in place. Are we really a country that wants fewer food inspectors and fewer air traffic controllers? I don't think so. No, we'd like you to do away with all those aliens that you're letting come across the border that we're paying a hundred and a half dollars $150 billion a year, kind of take that money and give it back to us, we Americans that pay that crap. I'm done with this story. I get sick. I get sick about it. So what else is in the news on this Friday? Much, much more out there. Many things that we want to talk about. And one of those is what happened During this week, did you know it was International Women's Week? Women everywhere, they got a way to go. We were all applauding them, these international women. And of course, Joe Biden and Joe Biden did it in the White House. Here's here's a little different explanation of what the International Women Week was and is all about. So where are the defenders of women? You remember Gloria Steinem famously said, if men could get pregnant, abortion would be a sacrament. (laughs) Now she's going to house hearings saying men can get pregnant. So Kara Dansky probably doesn't vote for the same people we vote for, but she's one of the only people we know who has persistently defended the right of women to exist. And we are grateful for that. She's president of the U.S. chapter of Women's Declaration International, author of the book, The Abolition of Sex. She joins us tonight. Kara Dansky, thanks for coming on. And I'm sorry to make fun of it because it is of course, going to destroy civilization itself. But it is kind of amazing that all these self-aware, well-educated people are saying this stuff that actually is a huge middle finger in the face of women everywhere. It is. It's horrible. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Giving a Women of Courage award to a man on International Women's Day is, of course, appalling and disgusting to feminists, including myself, uh, who fight for the rights, privacy and safety of women and girls. And also, it's not more horrible than anything else that's gone on in terms of the erasure of women and girls throughout society. We are all expected to accept men who claim to be women, either simply by saying that they are or by undergoing hormonal and or surgical treatment to make themselves appear maybe slightly more like women. And we're all just supposed to accept it and go along. I do want to take quick issue with your assertion that feminism is dead. I am here to assure viewers feminism (laughs) is not dead. But where I will agree with you is that mainstream feminist organizations, organizations that claim to be feminist, including organizations like Planned Parenthood and the National Organization for Women and the National Center for Lesbian Rights, have completely caved to what is, in effect, an industry-fueled men's rights movement. So I'll agree with you on that. But there are those of us on the political left who call ourselves radical feminists, and we will not stop fighting for women and girls. Do you think the—I mean, the average person on any issue has no voice at all in this country, and that's, I I think, becoming more true with the day. But do you think the average woman sees this as insulting? As a man, I can—as who actually likes women— This seems like the most insulting possible thing I can imagine. Do you think it's perceived that way? I do. And, you know, the other day I came across really interesting polling that suggested that people who consider themselves to be either very liberal or 
liberal, around 70 to 75 percent know that sex is real, know that sex doesn't change. So when you're referring to liberals going along with this, of course, you're absolutely right that the Democratic Party is pushing this and the sort of Democratic uh, liberal elite is pushing this. But ordinary Americans across the political spectrum are not going along. And yes, I absolutely think that ordinary average American women see this as insulting. What they may not realize, though, is that it's no more insulting than the so-called trans movement has been to women and girls for years now. That's right. That's right. And I appreciate your saying so. I know it's probably not a natural move to come on the show, but we're grateful that you do. Karadansky, thank you. Thanks so much. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens, stories that are changing the world and changing your life. From Tucker Carlson tonight. You know, the big thing that I uh, came away from that soundbite with that feminist is. The big thing is there has been a war on women by other women for years. Nobody talks about it. You heard her reference it. There is a war going on. Women's rights are being denigrated by the trans movement. Why? Because trans women aren't biologically women. Now, I don't, I don't care what you think. Find some way to prove to me that biologically a woman's sex, a man's sex, can be changed. It's undoable. There is no, none, no medical proof that that has ever happened or that it ever can. And that fact, in fact, what happened at the White House that started this whole conversation is they in the White House gave an award to a trans woman that biologically is a man from Argentina. That's a kick in the butt for biological women across the board. It denigrates women, women everywhere. Nobody's talking about that. It's all lumped in together in the LGBTQ plus I, SRA, you know, it keeps going on and on and on. Reality sometimes hurts. And sometimes we find out things that we don't like. We don't want them to be that way. They may not be in your lane. But reality, folks, <laughs> it's in everybody's lane, whether you want to accept it or not. And reality is you can't change biological sex, period. Now I'm going to get off of that. Let's talk military just for a few minutes. We haven't done that in a while. Right now, between 8,000 and 16,000 military members in the United States are still eligible for discharge for one reason. They refused to get COVID-19 vaccinated prior to the elimination of the military's vaccine mandate. Eight to 16,000, that's according to this information, to Representative Jim Banks. Joe Biden is seeking to purge conservative service members from the armed services for refusing to take COVID vaccines despite the lifting 
of the military's mandate. Now, I wondered when I heard this that Lloyd Austin, General Lloyd Austin, who is the Secretary of Defense, he said when he was asked, what about those military members that you basically put them to the side, told a bunch of them to go to the house and kicked them out of the military? What about those now that you have decided to drop the mandate? And Austin said, they're toast. You know why? Most of those are conservatives. And what we're doing is politicizing our military. Members of the military who refused the COVID vaccine prior to that mandate going away are still eligible for firing on a case-by-case basis. That's from the Pentagon. A total of 69,000 troops did not get vaccinated. 53,000 sought a medical or religious accommodation. Under Secretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness, Gilbert Cisneros wrote that to Armed Services Chairman Mike Rogers weeks ago. Of those 69,000 unvaxxed, 37,000 applied for a religious exemption from the military's vaccine mandate. Of those, 19,000 were denied. 400 were approved. You got that? 37,000 applied. 19,000 of them were denied. 400 were approved. And so far, 8,100 have been separated from the military because they did not comply with the mandate. Banks' office said about 16,000 members of the military did not apply for an accommodation and refused to take the vaccine. The mandate was rescinded December 2022 as part of the $847 billion defense authorization bill, despite Biden's support for keeping it in place. The letter said service members who refused to comply with the mandate and did not request an exception are being evaluated on a case-by-case basis. Banks slammed the DOD's handling of the vaccine mandate. He said this, It's incredibly divisive and cruel to fire patriotic service members for refusing to comply with a partisan and harmful rule that no longer even exists. To me, he said, the only explanation is that the Biden administration wants to purge conservative service members from the military. Give me another explanation for why they're doing this. There is not one that makes any sense. Because they didn't want the vaccine. Most of the people that refused across the nation refused to get vaccinated are conservatives And they know that. They only want far leftists in the military. And why? It has nothing to do with the military. It has to do with the ability to tell everybody around the world, we only have leftists, progressive, like-minded thinkers in our military. What about you? Forget about what the military is all about. Forget about it. Political correctness is now running our military. And it's led by 
General Lloyd Austin, who has plenty of history of screwing up our military. He was the head of CENTCOM when those four patriots were killed in Benghazi because of his decision to not send those military members that were in an airplane flying and waiting for the go sign to go take care and protect those people. Four of them were slaughtered needlessly. Oh, by the way, you remember what that was all about? Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, they had found some Syrian rebels that wanted to kick out that king of Syria. We can get him. We just need weapons. So what did they do? They spent billions of dollars without going to Congress. They spent billions of dollars to send weapons to those wonderful rebels in Syria. Lloyd Austin made that decision as the CENTCOM director. Who were those rebels? ISIS. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and Lloyd Austin created ISIS. Nobody wants to talk about that. And then we just, you know, we just experienced what a great leader he is, what a great decision maker he is. Look what happened in Afghanistan. I won't even go into the details, but it was a disaster. And it didn't need to be a disaster. And it is and will continue to haunt us because of the way the Biden administration pulled out of Afghanistan, lied to us, and told us they had all the infrastructure in place. They were working with the Afghanistan army and the Afghanistan government. They weren't. They knew the Taliban were going to come in, and they did the day that we left. And I'll never forget seeing a dissident, a dissident lashing out against Taliban rule, seeing him hung by the neck, hanging from a rope, being flown around, behind a helicopter showing everybody down there, hey, totalitarianism is back. Any chance for any kind of democracy is gone. We kicked Lloyd Austin and Joe Biden. We kicked them out of our nation, and we're in trouble. We're doing it. you got to listen to us. Some other news that was interesting, some stuff came out that uh, Pierre Trudeau, you know who he is? He's the Prime Minister of Canada. He knew of Chinese election interference. This is kind of a, a weird story. Trudeau has claimed he was not briefed on allegations of Communist Party, Chinese Communist Party interference in federal elections. But he got two memos from 2019. Last year, they suggest that senior government officials knew about these allegations. The documents from 2019 warned of the Communist Party of China funding preferred candidates about two months ahead of that year's federal election, and that came from Canada's National Security and Intelligence Committee. Broadcaster Global News in Canada found this out. The document states that the targeting of specific candidates began during the nomination process, adding that foreign states clandestinely direct contributions to 
and support for the campaigns and political parties of preferred candidates. A People's Republic of China embassy interlocutor founded a group of community leaders called the Tea Party to handpick candidates that it would support and ultimately publicly endorse. Now, this all happened up in Canada. That didn't happen down here. Nothing like that happened down in the U.S. The document went on to state that a former PRC commercial consul informed PRC businesses of the rules regarding Canadian political contribution and urged particular business leaders to donate through Canadian subsidiaries and acquisitions. Another document published by Global News is from last year. It came from the Privy Council Office, which acts as a secretariat for the Canadian cabinet, and it includes Trudeau. The January 2022 document said, a large clandestine transfer of funds earmarked for the federal election from the PRC consulate in Toronto was transferred to an elected provincial government official through a staff member of a 2019 federal candidate. The report drew from about 100 reports from the Canadian Security Intelligence Service as part of the Privy Council's Intelligence Assessment Secretariat, which informs the Prime Minister on security matters. I'll just cut to the chase. Pierre Trudeau knew all about it, and he green-lighted it. Why would he do that? Why would any leader do anything like that? Open the door to the Communist Chinese Party and just say, hey, y'all come on in. We're glad you're here and we want to give you control of our government. You think Pierre Trudeau got a dime or two out of that? Maybe a couple of hundred bucks. Just say it. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 Double Crispy Cheesy Burger. Well, hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new 
double crispy cheesy burger. The flame fresh taste. Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. Okay, definitely. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Get the new double crispy cheesy burger with double the flame fresh taste. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Interesting news in the aftermath of all the furor over Fox News' Tucker Carlson getting that unfettered 41,000 hours of January 6th video. Yep, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy gave it to Tucker and Tucker has begun rolling out pieces of it to the American people, and it has caused an uproar. And those on the left are saying, it's not fair, it's not fair, we should be on the receiving end of it, all of us. Well, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, has agreed to a full public release of the security footage recorded at the Capitol during the events January 6th. He said this in an interview that was aired yesterday, and in it he discussed his decision to share the footage with Fox News' Tucker Carlson and said defendants who are facing charges after going to the Capitol that day should be able to see the footage for their own defense in court. When asked whether he would fully release the Capitol security footage to the public, McCarthy responded in the affirmative before adding that the footage would first have to go through a security review. We just want to make sure we go through them all, and that takes time. His assurance that he would pursue a broad public release of the security footage, it comes as a growing number of January 6th defendants have asked for their trials to be delayed so they can review the security footage. Additionally, there are people in jail today that have been tried or they've been forced to come to a a plea deal, and they're asking for retrials because of the footage that's coming out. McCarthy said he was making no personal judgment about what the security footage shows, but said that to be fair and equal justice, if there's any person that's accused, they should be able to have a right to see the tapes to make their own defense. Some of the footage aired by Carlson aired on Monday night showed police officers leading Jacob Chansley, the so-called QAnon shaman, around the building. Of course, the January 6th committee and all their hearings, they showed little snippets of Chansley being in the government buildings and, you know, it made it appear that he's forcing his way in and doing this and doing that. The footage, the real footage that was released could have been showed by the left media, but no, no, no. They had to build a partisan view that everybody that was there were trying to overthrow the government and killed all the lawmakers in the building. There are Capitol policemen that are actually walking around showing Chansley, opening doors for him. And at one point, he prayed for them. Chansley did. So after seeing the new footage shared by Carlson, Chansley's former attorney, Albert Watkins, he said he'd not been able to review the same footage before his client, 
signed a plea deal, and Chansley's in prison. Watkins said he had asked for any evidence that could support his client's innocence, and regardless of his own request for the footage, said prosecutors had an absolute duty to provide the evidence. They had it, and they didn't give it up. Chansley's going to get out of jail for, I promise you, he's going to get out of jail. Several Democrat lawmakers have accused McCarthy of jeopardizing the security of the Capitol with his decision to share security footage. Come on. Come on. Jeopardizing the security of the U.S. Capitol by showing the American people what really happened? These people that are pushing back the way they are, and it's not just Democrats, even Mitch McConnell and several other U.S. senators that are Republicans have come out blasting what McCarthy did. I got to be honest with you. I think everybody's real situation politically is being revealed to the American public. Mitch McConnell, I've known for a long time. He's a rhino at best. At worst, he's a closet Democrat. He's got to go. Voters in Kentucky, come on, do the right thing. Send Mitch packing. He doesn't need the money. His wife is Chinese. Her father owns the biggest shipping company in China. Yeah, red China, communist China. He doesn't need the money. Do you think because of all of that, his decisions regarding legislation might just be a little bit tainted because of his family ties. In an interview with MSNBC, Eric Swalwell, he's one of the most in the tank Democrats. He's from California that we know. He's the one that for years slept with the Chinese spy while he was a representative in Congress. Yesterday, he said that by sharing the Capitol security footage, McCarthy just gave the proudest boy of all a blueprint for the Capitol. Who knows where that will land for the next insurrection? Just to be honest with you, you can go online right now and get a blueprint that shows almost all of the Capitol structure. Representative Benny Thompson, another Democrat from Mississippi, said McCarthy owes the American people an explanation of why he's done so and what steps he's taken to address the significant security concerns at stake. There is no plausible reason to not show us all the January 6th footage. Unless, of course, you're trying to perpetuate a landscape of a picture that shows what many on the left want and need it to show, which is Republicans bad, Donald Trump evil, Democrats good, vote for Democrats, vote for Democrats. And oh, by the way, send a dollar or two to our campaign funds. Now, we talk about Chuck Schumer. We talk about Mitch McConnell. Schumer went nuts. His reaction to the airing of that footage, he called for Fox News to stomp on host Tucker Carlson. And his saying that has drawn a bunch of criticism as well as an epic bit of trolling from billionaire Twitter owner Elon Musk. 
The New York Democrat denounced the conservative network, that would be Schumer and Fox News, for allowing Tucker to air all this footage that undercut the Democrat official establishment narrative of what they called, and it wasn't, but what they called and still do, an insurrection with the public getting its first chance to see how the day's events, January 6th, were misleadingly portrayed from top to bottom to justify a federal government crackdown on supporters of the orange man and to disqualify him from a potential future return to the White House. It's not like they haven't tried that since even before he took office, right? (laughs) It's just one thing after another. They think Americans don't see and understand what they've been doing. They really think we're too stupid. So for good measure, Schumer took aim at Republican House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, and we know that Carlson got the footage because McCarthy felt like, as most Republicans do, Americans deserve to be able to look at those 44,000 hours of security video so that we can really get a true picture of what and why and how it all happened. And, of course, pretty much every Republican, with the exception of two that really weren't and aren't Republicans, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, they served, both of them, on that Nancy Pelosi January 6th committee that did nothing legitimate. They gave the American people nothing factual. And you know what? All, all of the polling of Americans asking their opinions of what and how and how they felt about the January 6th committees. No Americans, almost every American they polled said, it was stupid, we didn't need to do it. By sharing the January 6th security footage with Fox News, talking about Speaker Pelosi, this is Adam Kinzinger, McCarthy has already done more than any party leader in Congress to enable the spread of Donald Trump's big lie. So after Schumer's rant, Musk jabbed the top congressional Democrat with more video debunking the big lie of the insurrection, which he posted to Twitter. By the way, he owns Twitter. Do you want us to remove this video? Musk wrote as a rebuttal to Schumer's whining. (laughs) The immense public service provided to Americans by Tucker was a major blow to the uniparty faction of the swamp, which burned down democracy. They did in order to save it from Trump. Trump was and is one of those evil outsiders who threatens business as usual in that city that oozes with corruption, the swamp, Washington, D.C. These reactions, I can't think of another term to label them as other than the word unhinged. Unhinged. That's what Schumer has been. And also, Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. 
I can't think of another way. And what they're doing is they're exposing exactly who they are. Instead of giving us all of this lip service, we all know now who they really are. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not real fond of either one of them. Haven't been for a long time, but my lack of fondness is now confirmed as being legitimate. It is. Before the end of the show, I'm going to play some stuff from Jesse Waters. And uh, it's very exposing about this free speech war that we're having in America and how people are drawing the lines. But before we do that, we have some other things to cover. You remember Debbie Washerman Schultz, former DNC chair, probably the nastiest woman in Congress, maybe the nastiest woman on earth. I want you to listen to her yesterday as in a committee hearing, she questioned some of the Twitter executives in the Republicans' quest to find out exactly what the sequestration is and who's been doing it of Americans' free speech. Debbie Washerman Schultz, listen to this back and forth. And a great point. I now recognize the gentlelady from Florida for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Taibbi, I want to ask about journalistic ethics and information sources. The Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics asserts that journalists should avoid political activities that can compromise integrity or credibility. Being a Republican witness today certainly casts a cloud over your objectivity. But a deeper concern that I have relates to the ethics of how journalists receive and present certain information. Journalists should avoid accepting spoon-fed, cherry-picked information if it's likely to be slanted, incomplete, or designed to reach a foregone, easily disputed, or invalid conclusion. Would you agree with that? I think, it's, I think it depends. Really? You, you wouldn't agree that a journalist should avoid spoon-fed, cherry-picked information if it's likely to be slanted, incomplete, or designed to reach a foregone, easily disputed, or invalid conclusion? Mrs. Con- uh, Congresswoman, I've done probably a dozen stories involving whistleblowers. Every reported story that I've ever done across three decades involves sources who have motives. Every time you do a story, you're making a, a, a balancing test okay. between the public Reclaiming interest. my time. Thank you very much. Okay. I ask you this because before you became Elon Musk's hand-picked journalist, so, and pardon the oxymoron, you stated this on Joe Rogan's podcast about being spoon-fed information, and I quote, I think that's true of any kind of journalism, and you'll see it behind me here. I think that's true of any kind of journalism. Once you start getting handed things, then you've lost. They have you at that point, and you've got to get out of that habit. You just can't cross that line. Do you still believe what you told Mr. Rogan, yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Good. Now, you crossed that line with the Twitter files. No. Elon Musk, it's my time. Please do not interrupt me. Elon Musk spoon-fed Elon Musk spoon-fed you his cherry-picked information, which you must have suspected promotes a slanted viewpoint, or at the very least generates another right-wing conspiracy theory. You violated your own standard, and you appear to have benefited from it. Before the release of emails in, of the emails in August of last year, you had 661,000 Twitter followers. After the Twitter files, your followers doubled. And now it's three times what it was last August. 
I imagine your Substack readership, which is a subscription, increased significantly because of the work that you did for Elon Musk. Now, I'm not asking you to put a dollar figure on it, but it's quite obvious that you've profited from the Twitter files. You hit the jackpot on that Vegas slot machine to which you referred. That's true, isn't it? I've also reinvested You've made a some... No, 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 no. Is it true that you have profited since you were, rece you were this recipient of the Twitter files? You've made money. Yes or no? I Very think it's probably question. a wash, honestly. Nope. You've, you, you have made money that you did not have before, correct? But I've also spent money that I didn't have okay. before. I just hired a I, whole I, group of people a, to Patently obvious this. answer, reclaiming my time. Attention is a powerful drug. Eyeballs, money, prominence, attention. All of it points to problems with accuracy and credibility. And the larger point, which is social media companies are not biased against conservatives. And if anything, they ignored their own policies by allowing Trump and other MAGA extremists to post incessant lies, endangering public safety, and even our democracy. Hypocrisy is the hangover of an addiction to attention. Now, I want to point out another, another alleged finding from the Twitter files. Mr. Schellenberger, you've referenced several times this $3.4 million that the FBI paid to Twitter in 2020 that was referenced in General Counsel Jim Baker's email. I first want to confirm that nowhere in the email does Baker say that the money was paid to censor information, take down posts, suspend accounts, or do anything to, to relating to content moderation. Is that correct? It is. Thank you. But honest reporting would have explained that the $3.4 million was paid to release information, not censor it. One of my colleagues on this panel repeated your distortions and told Americans this reimbursement was used to, quote, censor certain stories. That's a flat-out lie. Mr. Schellenberger, are you aware of Section 2706 under the Stored Communications Act? It says when social media companies comply with subpoenas, warrants, or court orders, it costs them money so they get reimbursed. The FBI makes these requests and reimbursements to discover evidence and run relevant to a criminal investigation. Let me repeat that. The FBI makes these requests to help catch the bad guys. That helps keep child predators off social media sites. It helps keep violent criminals off our streets. I support the FBI and our law enforcement agencies. It would be nice if our Republican colleagues did the same and not fabricate explanations for pavements that are defined for clear purposes in federal law. My time is just about wrapped up. May I but respond? The truth is that social media yeah. companies are unregulated monoliths. They pose danger to individuals. They allow posts that bring harm. And that's the bottom line, that this, the other side will not tell you. I yield back the balance of my time. Um, generally had no time to yield back, but I will let the gentleman, uh, Mr. Schellenberger, respond. And I would also point out that I did not say what Mr. The FBI Chairman, paid I Twitter four. All I said was they paid Twitter $3.4 million. Mr. Chairman, point of order, I didn't, ask, I didn't ask Mr. Schellenberger a question. Yeah, but he wants to, the witness wants to respond, and the witness have been invited to our guests, and frankly, they've been attacked by the federal government. Well, please government. do that. I, I, so I'm going to let Mr. Schellenberger answer that before recognizing Mr. Bishop. So are you going to do that as we move down the, the, the line of, of questioners? Uh, the gentleman has not been recognized. You had your five minutes, and frankly, I think that's at the discretion of the chair. I'll, Mr. Schellenberger, you can respond briefly. I'll be brief, which is that my understanding from those files is that Twitter had decided not to take that money until recently. So if you read that email, uh, what Stasha, I believe, the person that sent it, is saying is that they started taking money after previously not taking it. And I believe that the reason that they had not taken it earlier was because they did not want that financial conflict clouding their relationship. Mr. Chairman, the money is payment under He's federal law order. so that they can the gentleman from costs. North Carolina, Mr. Bishop, is Wasserman Schultz, she's an insult to the integrity 
of the American people to the House of Representatives. And of course, all she did was read from somebody wrote something for her to say about the goodness of the FBI and the FBI paying millions of taxpayer dollars to Twitter. How much to Facebook? How much to Google? I don't know. But the FBI does not need to be involved in censorship of American citizens on social media. And they are. Bottom line, it just drives me crazy when these pontificating members of Congress get up and instead of doing what they're supposed to do, finding out things, wrongdoing, being done that cost Americans. Sometimes Americans are actually writing checks for it. Like we fund the FBI. You heard Wasserman Schultz say, oh, I'm supporting what the FBI is doing. I want them to be able to go get these bad people and get them off the streets. Why aren't they doing that? Why are they infringing Americans' constitutional rights and paying Twitter and Facebook to do just that. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. It's Super Salmon Days down at Fish Brothers. For a limited time, bring in any fish and get a child salmon entree free. You heard right. Bring in any fish and get a free child salmon entree. And I mean any fish. Got a swordfish lying around? Bring it in. Got a goldfish you're sick of feeding? Bring it in. Got a fish that's been sitting in the sun for a few days? Bring it in. We'll throw it in with the rest of them. What we do with the fish is nobody's business but ours. Just enjoy your salmon $8.99 with our famous stew. So, welcome on into Fish Brothers Seafood Theme Restaurant, where everything's a great catch. Except the shrimp. Oh my gosh, listening to the end of that commercial, shrimp. I'm from South Louisiana. Um, I've been shrimping before. I eat shrimp. I love shrimp, and you can't fix them bad. i got to be honest with you, it's Friday. Where can I get a good uh, shrimp po' boy for lunch in Shreveport? I think I'm going to find one for lunch. Lunch comes in about an hour and a half here. That gives me a little time when I get off the air to find out where to go. Hey, hey, hey. It's Friday. We can relax a little bit in preparation for our weekend. You know, Joe Biden decided to go to uh, Pennsylvania. That's Although he lives in Delaware, Pennsylvania, he claims, is his home state where he grew up. And he made a speech when he was presenting his budget, or a little bit of it. And in it, he slammed MAGA Republicans. Hmm. He slammed them. 
and a bunch of people across social media skewered him for what he said. He gave that speech at a union training center in Philly where he contrasted his campaign agenda against Republican priorities. Here's what he said. I just laid out the bulk of my budget. Republicans in Congress should do the same thing. Then we can sit down and see where we disagree. So during the speech, he called out his opposition and appeared to slam any Trump-supporting base of the Republican Party. And nobody can question who he was targeting because he said this, MAGA Republicans are calling for defunding the police, he claimed. I got to be honest with you. I don't know of a single Republican, not just MAGA or conservative Republicans, but for any Republican to call out for defunding the police. However, on the other side of the aisle, I've heard dozens of Democrats doing that over the last couple of years. So a variety of commentators on Twitter condemned him as either uninformed or dishonest. Former House candidate and author Josh Barnett commented, all he does is lie. No MAGA Republican ever said to defund police, but we did say defund the crooked FBI until they stop attacking Americans in political retaliation. At this point, there are only two options. This is Washington Examiner columnist Ian Hayworth, and he theorized, number one, he, being Biden, honestly believes these things and therefore doesn't have a grasp on reality, or two, he knows he's lying through his teeth and doesn't give a F word. Neither of these words are good, y'all. He, uh, he must be, Ian must be a Southerner. Y'all, Ian Hayward. Defense Attorney David Wall espoused the former conclusion about Biden. He's basically a zombie. He has no clue what he's saying, and he belongs in a rest home. I would not put it past Brandon to have Fetterwoman be his vice president. <laughs> Another attorney, Joseph McGride, tweeted. PJ Media columnist Ryan Ledenendecker tweeted, Dementia is so sad, yet fascinating to observe in real time. James Bradley, who's a veteran and a Twitter personality, he said, it's like a bad stand-up routine at this point. All you can do is laugh. Multiple users suggested Biden was being deliberately deceptive about police policy. Pathological liar, confirmed. That's from podcast host Kyle Becker. Why? Let me just ask you, why does Biden open himself up for this kind of criticism pretty much every time he opens his mouth in public? I promise you, that line about MAGA Republicans calling to defund the police, it couldn't have been on a teleprompter, which is in front of him every time he opens his mouth. He just can't stay on the teleprompter. I don't know, but I think if he'd stay on it, he wouldn't say at least some of the stupid things he says. And this is the president of the nation. We have people listening right now from other parts in the country, and I want to apologize to you. You've looked at the United States of America in your past as being led by the greatest people in politics on the earth. 
Not so much now. And I want to apologize for that. Don't take this as what it's going to be like here forever. We're making changes in 2024, I promise you. So there was a big crash yesterday. I, I don't know that it was a crash, but it was a big dive in talks to sell trouble lender Silicon Valley Bank. Panic caused by tech industry slowdown spread across Wall Street yesterday as Peter Thiel, have you heard of him? He's a big Wall Street investor, a venture capitalist fund manager, and he warned startups, pull your money out of Silicon Valley Bank. We don't normally cover these kinds of things, but I thought this was notable. Shares of the bank were down 63% in pre-market trading this morning after they slumped about 60% yesterday. Investors are concerned about the strength of its balance sheet. Now, what does that mean? What it owns, what it has in cash, and maybe real estate and stuff like that. Last night, Founders Fund, the venture capital fund co-founded by Peter Thiel, it advised startups, take your money out of Silicon Valley Bank amid concerns about its financial stability. It came after the Bank Financial Group announced a massive equity raise. And what is that? They got to they gotta go borrow money. They got to find investors quickly. And they need to cover a $1.8 billion loss on the sale of bonds which the bank was forced to liquidate. They had to sell them to cover their steep decline in deposits. We don't normally cover such stories, but this could portend some bad stuff to come, and it may come sooner than later. Keep your eyes on the market, those of you that have money invested in the real estate market, also in the bond market. What else is going on? Senator Ron Johnson, he's been all over the January 6th stuff going on. He says this narrative is going to continue to morph. It's growing into horrible things. What, Dan? (laughs) Reality, the real stuff. We're hearing and seeing the real stuff for for ourselves. And more security footage is coming out. So the Democrats, they constructed this narrative of the January 6th riot. And it's going to continue to change. Why more security footage from the Capitol comes out? People get to see that hundreds of protesters were actually let into the Capitol, actually waved into the Capitol through a door left open and unguarded at times by police. So in an interview Wednesday night on the Just the News No Noise television show, Senator Johnson cautioned that the Capitol riot narrative has so far been constructed of bits and pieces from different partisans. And it all began with the second impeachment of Donald Trump and then the House Democrats' January 6th committee. We're many years down the road here, Johnson said, and there's still so many questions that remain unanswered. The latest little piece surfaced this week when Tucker Carlson released video footage that showed the controversial protester known as the QAnon shaman was actually escorted by police through the Capitol, wasn't arrested, 
they did not only try to stop him, tell him to leave, they showed him around the Capitol. The police said they were in de-escalation mode and did not want to arrest him at the time of the riot. Why wouldn't they? He was in the Capitol. They've arrested a bunch of people that were in the Capitol during the impeachment. I mean, that was a highly biased story through those slickly edited videos by real professionals, Senator Johnson said. And so now you got Tucker just showing the other side of the story, part of the story. But there's still so much of the story that is not being told about January 6th. Johnson and his staff were permitted long before Carlson to review hours of video footage from the Capitol riot. He was the first member of the Senate to question why many protesters were able to enter the building with no resistance and did so through unlocked doors. We did uncover the fact that the West Terrace door was open from the inside, he said. That has not been explained yet exactly why that happened, but more than 300 people entered that door with no violence, and nobody even tried to stop them. Now listen, I'm an American citizen, and most American citizens never get to go to Washington, D.C. I've been there numerous times. But if I wanted to go up there, and I knew that the Capitol, somebody told me, hey, you can go through and take a tour of the Capitol right now. Just go up there. They're not guarding the doors They're unlocked and wide open, so go take a look. You're a taxpayer. You're a citizen. I don't know how many hundreds and thousands of Americans did that day. And some of them, many of them, are in jail. That inexplicably unimpeded entry is one of the many questions that surround the failures of that day that got to be resolved to avoid a repeat, said Johnson, Citing, as another example, the failure to integrate advanced intelligence of prospective violence that was gathered by multiple federal law enforcement agencies and sent to the Capitol Police for their security planning. They did nothing with what these intelligence agencies gave to them. Why? Do you think we'll ever know why? Do you think somebody will ever get Nancy Pelosi sworn under oath in front of congressional hearings committees? I think we're going to find out just how powerful Nancy Pelosi really is because I think that's what's coming down the pike. Nancy Pelosi is the one, the principal one that directed the police activity at the Capitol that day. She refused to even turn over any documents that she had to the January 6th committee. She refused to testify. Why would she do all that? Unless there was something in what I just mentioned that would implicate her for some kind of part that she took in what happened. Senator Johnson sent correspondence back in June of 21 to Capitol Police highlighting what concerned him during his team's review of security footage. Here are the key passages of that. Quote, over the span of a 14-minute period, about 309 unauthorized individuals entered the Capitol that day through the Upper West Terrace doors. At approximately 2.26 p.m., 
A security camera showed a male inside the Capitol trying to open one of the Upper West Terrace doors to get out of the building. This unauthorized individual, who was by himself, walked through a narrow hallway to the double doors and attempted to exit through the left door by pushing the door's crash bar. The door didn't open. The individual turned around and walked back through the hallway and away from the doors. About seven minutes later, security footage showed five unauthorized individuals walking down the same hallway, and they walked right past a police officer. The security footage, which did not include audio, appeared to show the cop gesturing towards the doors, and these individuals walked past him. Once at the double doors, one of the five pushed the left door's crash bar, and this time it opened. All five exited the building at approximately 2.33 p.m. As the fifth individual exited through this left door of the Upper West Terrace doorway, it remained ajar for a moment, and that allowed people from the outside of the building to come in. At 2.34, as people began to go through this door, the police officer who was in the vicinity of the door one minute earlier walked into another hallway away from this door and out of the view of the security camera. Why did he not go back and close that door? At 2.35, five police officers who were not wearing riot gear or carrying any protective equipment like shields arrived at this exact doorway. As soon as they approached the doorway, they appeared to form a thin line across the narrow hallway, blocking people from continuing to enter the building at this location. About a minute later, four unauthorized individuals that included two people wearing helmets pushed past the officer's line and a surge of people entered the building walking past the officers. These officers did not appear to take any action to even try to stop or block people entering the building until a few minutes later. Johnson said it was always suspicious how quickly everybody seized on Not everybody, you know, but the powers that be seized on the description that there were thousands of armed insurrectionists, he said. There weren't. There weren't armed insurrectionists. During our Senate hearings, I asked the FBI witness, he said, how many firearms were confiscated during this armed insurrection of the thousands of people that stormed the Capitol and they were going to seize our government? I didn't know the answer, but her answer was zero. FBI saw no firearms when this insurrection was happening. How stupid would anybody be to try to really be a part of an insurrection who would try to really overturn the government? going to the Capitol where they knew there are lots of Capitol cops there that have arms, why would they go, if they were going to take over the government, why would they do so without any weapons? Johnson said he hopes that over time Americans come to appreciate that while the Capitol riot was a a tragic and avoidable event, its destruction was far smaller than the multi-city damage inflicted by Black Lives Matter riots in the summer of 2020 
after the Minneapolis police killing of George Floyd. According to the DOJ, the damage to the Capitol building, I'm not downplaying this, is about $2.8 million, he said. The other estimates were far higher than that. You compare that to the summer riots of 2020 that all the media downplays, calls those peaceful protests, 570 result in riots, 2,000 law enforcement officials injured, a couple of dozen people are dead, and $1 to $2 billion of property damage. How many of those people were thrown in prison and jail for what they did in these riots? If more than a handful, hardly. But I guess those are righteous riots, Senator Johnson added sarcastically. Only J6 counts as the worst thing that occurred since the Civil War or 9-11. Johnson blamed the legacy news media for uneven coverage that has distorted the public's knowledge and eroded its trust. We have people that lean strongly to the left, he said. They carry the Democrats' water. They're basically the communications department for the leftist causes of the Democrat Party. We hadn't said much about those four Americans that got snatched up just south of the border of Texas. Two of them were killed. Nobody in the Democrat Party wants to talk about it. So following, following that happened, Republicans slammed Biden's open border policies while calling his presidency the best thing that ever happened for the drug cartels. And I got to be honest with you, I never thought about it this way. But they really are doing well. Billions of dollars being made at the southern border by the cartels. Wonder why that is. Wonder why that is. It's because... Follow the money. There's money involved there. I promise you. That's a wrap on the show today, folks. Yeah, I, know who it is. I want to thank you for being here and tell you have a great weekend. Our bullet points, they'll go live at 1.45 in the morning. Take a look at them. We'll see you Monday. Glorificado, got
to give him all the praise. He's the one that filled my heart's desires. And ever since I ain't been the same. Still got swag in them platinum chains. Sky tops on with them skinny jeans. Fresh and clean cause I've been redeemed. He's bad, Michael, Billy Jean. Of you, yeah, you are my own. 